Welcome to the American Soccer Show, which has a brand new logo. Congratulations to everybody who sat through, well, what are we looking at, like six months now with that old one? It was, uh, to be fair, it was like a Microsoft Paint job. It basically was. I liked I it. Make it. I mean, it was it was pretty good for what it was, which was a 15, it didn't take me 15 minutes. I think I'm exaggerating. It probably took me five minutes. And it was, it was because Darren Zaslow couldn't listen to a podcast without a logo. So I had to make one very quickly. And now Darren Zaslow is a sports anchor in West Virginia. So you tell me who ended up with the better spot. American Soccer Show doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> yeah, an internationally acclaimed soccer podcast available in every country in the world. Every country except for maybe like i don't know countries that don't have the internet are there countries like that i thought we established that it was a basic human right it is but you know some countries don't have water some countries don't have internet okay fair enough so we begin with two things number one happy leaf erickson day everyone much better than uh columbus day i think many will agree it is much better than columbus day not to be confused with columbus crew day which i'm sure is some other day which is I'm sure not going to be a holiday for much longer. Although the city of Columbus apparently did not celebrate Columbus Day this year. It sounded like such a like an Onion article. <laughs> Columbus, the city of Columbus refuses to celebrate of, Columbus Day. Yeah, if it wasn't for all the things that people are finally realizing how bad Columbus was. Yeah. It was so, like the city of New Year's deciding not to celebrate New Year's. I saw somebody, oh my god, uh, Santa Claus, Indiana doesn't celebrate Christmas. That sounds about right, yeah. Which is a real place, by the way, for those of you that don't know. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, is it really? Yeah, Santa Claus, Indiana is a real place. Indiana. It's just You learn something new every day about that place. <laughs> what a magical world. It is a great world. So yeah, don't celebrate Columbus Day. Celebrate Leif Erikson Day instead, October 9th. Also, I, I read somebody say that Election Day should just replace Columbus Day as the national holiday. I think that's probably a good idea. I, I mean, the fact that it isn't a national holiday gets into whole sort of political problems that we... We're not going to get into no. on this episode. No, we are only here for American soccer. Still, go vote and anyway. some yeah. and some other stuff. Yeah. Well, so getting to the international politics of the world because you know we can't we can't seem to stay away from them. The FIFA Women's World Cup, the Gold Cup, and the Copa America will all have their final on the same day next summer, July seventh. Uh, Grant Wall reported on this, and uh, he's absolutely right when he says that it's clearly been done by FIFA executives that could care less about or couldn't care less about the women's game and because i mean this would never happen to the men's final right yeah they would it would always it's it's like its own holiday almost yeah it, it really it really is kind of like an all-day affair even though the game only lasts even if it goes to extra time penalties you know three uh, three hours right if you count the pre and the post game show it, it, so it, but you know the, the day is kind of just dedicated to that and even from the men's standpoint right why would comfortable and Concacaf do this I guess there's a world where it's like a like a triple header, right? You just watch one them back to back to back because I think the times will probably line up since the final and for the women is in France. So you're thinking probably an early like early afternoon kickoff at the latest for that. But I still yeah. Don't so it. the only ones that really seem like they could have any overlap is the Gold Cup and the Copa America, which makes less sense. Um, but you'd have to think that there's. You know, with the way they do their schedules and how it lines up, sometimes your hands are tied, 
and they just don't think it's going to make that big a difference. I mean, when it comes, the biggest problem I would think is if it was a U.S. women's final, U.S. men's in the Gold Cup final, which is very possible. Some allegiance tie-ups, but for the most part, I think the people who are, you know, women's World Cup watchers for the U.S. are U.S. soccer watchers. You know, there there is some overlap, but their their allegiances are there. So the Copa America might end up taking a backseat, and that might be the biggest hit to American viewers if there is any overlap. I suppose we'll see. I mean, right now I don't even know what channel has the Copa America in English. I should say so. I suppose that's something in and of itself. I think like BN had it last time. So I do look forward to listening to Ray Hudson again. If that's any more Ray Hudson is always a good thing. I'll watch any competition that has Ray Hudson. I'll tell you that. (laughs) That's fair enough. We are also gathered here today to remember the the life of our old podcast. (laughs) The one we recorded on Saturday because Emmett's computer thoroughly rejected, thoroughly rejected the idea of our Saturday recording. So I, I did want to mention that there was stuff that we talked about, but uh, I guess it all kind of goes by the wayside now that there's an entire weekend of games that have happened. Yeah, my hard drive failed, so this is all on a brand new hard drive. First American Soccer Show episode on this new hard drive. Exciting stuff, people. Um, I, I think it's exciting. You <laughs> might not think it's exciting. I think it's exciting. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, something... I ended up looking over some stats, because as we know, uh, I guess we'll get into this later, but Wondolowski is two goals away from the... Uh, is he two the... goals? Is he still two? Because he scored again. He was at three. Okay, so... When we did this last time. Um, and so, at the time, he was at, he was three goals away with three games. Now he's two. I was looking into some stats, and so we will get some sprinkled in uh, that I found interesting as we get around to it. All right, sounds good. So we jump to the MLS action from Saturday. The games, for the first time, are out of order because I decided that from this point forward, it makes more sense to tie the games together based on relevance, relevancy to each other. So you, we'll see more of what I'm talking about when we start talking about games. So the Impact defeated the Columbus Crew 3 nothing at home. The scoreline here, I think, is a bit misleading, all things considered, at least the way the stats shake out, because both teams had nine shots on target. Columbus had an early breakthrough, or a chance to break through. Evan Bush denied Harrison Awful to keep the game scoreless, and Montreal eventually got the advantage through a VAR awarded penalty, and again, Columbus has a chance to equalize with Jossie's artist right from his range, too, just outside the six-yard box, and again... Denied by Evan Bush. So one of those games where a goal changes everything, but because Columbus failed to score, they ended up losing 3-0. Uh, this is kind of classic Montreal. We saw them in the Union game with a 1-4-1. They sat deep. Um, not too deep, but they were very compact and direct. And that directness worked this time. Still think they're a little too inconsistent. Very um, inconsistent. But I think it's very cool for them right now that they have a guy in Lucas Silva who drew the penalty and I think scored the second goal who can um, kind of be the opposite side of Piatti because he is just so good on that left side and for a while the whole team was just Ignacio Piatti um, so that could be something that helps them in the playoff run where you just need that one goal and to defend I, they're still a little too inconsistent uh, but they needed this result they really just to, did. Just to stay in the race. There's still two points ahead of the D.C., but two games ahead as well. Yeah. I, I, look, this uh, when we talked about the Montreal Impact 
last week. Well, before, right? Because they got absolutely destroyed. And I was I was already like on the, well, that's it. You know, they've, they've lost by five. They've been housed. They've been absolutely housed by DC United in that the biggest game of the season for them. I, it was good to see them bounce back. And it's like you said, they absolutely needed someone else to step up in a game like this. Because one guy, he can win you a few games. He ain't getting you to the playoffs by himself. So... Uh, for their sake, I hope that this continues. But honestly, I, I do think that they've sealed their own fate already. I think that their inconsistency will ultimately be their downfall. They, I, I do think they've been, they've been a good playoff team in the in the past. I think they could be a huge challenge to whoever they face. Um, but yeah, this their inconsistency problems and their early season woes will probably come back to bite them. They were dreadful um, early in the year. Yeah, uh, people may forget how bad they were for a while which is amazing how good they are now yeah uh, the last two games they host toronto and visit new england that that canadian derby could seal montreal's fate anything they, other than a win they could i i honestly think they could get six points from that i guess the biggest issue would be that puts them at 49 and dc united the max points they can get is still 53 so they really don't control their own fate from this point forward especially with how well dc has been playing and a couple easy fixtures, a couple difficult ones as yeah, well. So we will talk a little bit more about DC United here in a second, but the Columbus crew are kind of the story as we flip to the to this next game. The Philadelphia Union absolutely destroyed Minnesota United 5-1 in Chester, Pennsylvania, everyone's favorite place. The Union unleashed a barrage of Minnesota, on Minnesota United. It was four goals in the first half. It was 3-0 before the 25th minute. So the Union locked up their third playoffs appearance in, in team history. So congratulations, Emmett. I know this is a big day for you. And uh, the first one, um, I guess, well, the last one, I would say, they backed into the playoffs. They went eight games unbeaten and only one on goal difference to Montreal. Uh, to New England, sorry, that time. Two years ago. Uh, and, then, of course, they got right, rightfully got destroyed by Toronto. This time they're actually playing well, which I think will be interesting coming into the playoffs, especially now that they have, they've jumped Columbus and have a home game as of now. But I do want to bring it back to a few weeks ago after the Montreal loss. They lost 4-1 at home. I said that the Union were more likely to miss the playoffs at that point than Montreal. Yeah, you did. Even I didn't say I that. I still think that that was a, a, a decent uh, <laughs> opinion at the time. It's clearly come back it's clearly come back to bite you now. <laughs> Even in hindsight, it's not it's not that bad of a of a you know a prediction because they still had to go to Seattle, host Sporting Kansas City with their B team before the Open Cup, and they still have to play both New York uh, New York City teams. Now they've already qualified, but you know. So what you're that, saying that is that could be much different. Thoroughly earned it. Yeah, and for yeah. the first time in a long time, they've earned anything really. Yeah. So, yeah. Real interesting to see on the other side, you know, I mean, 5-1, massive win, but it's Minnesota on the road. They're the <laughs> worst team on the it road. Is, you really have to you, expect any playoff team to do this. You would expect a playoff team to be able to handle Minnesota at home, but it's like I said, and it's like I keep saying, these are the kind of results that set Philadelphia apart for me personally because they do get business done when they absolutely had to. And look, let's uh, not even sell them short. I mean, you look above them in the table, they are only three points away from NYCFC, a team that can't buy a win right now. So uh, And they go there in the last game of the season. Anything is very possible there. And keep in mind, if they end up tied on points, they both have the same amount of wins right now. So, Philadelphia has a realistic shot at finishing third. 
which would be pretty remarkable for them, all things considered. What's the highest finish in team history anyway? Do you know off the top of your head? I believe they finished fourth in their f- second year. Interesting. And then everything fell apart. Um, <laughs> As it always does. Yeah, I mean, with New York City, I think that I still think NYC will keep that. It'll, the big thing for the Union is keeping a home game against Columbus. Uh, going there was having any home uh, road game is tough. So you want to get to the point where you have two legs and give yourself a chance at home. New York City does go to DC United before hosting the Union. I think, given how New York City's been playing, that and how DC's been playing, that one will probably go to DC. And that Philadelphia-New York City game is going to end up being massive down the road. That's true. And uh, in case anyone's wondering, Wikipedia tells me that apparently the Union finished third in 2011. So Third. Okay, I do know they had a home game in that first one. But I also believe they lost that. Says they made it to the conference semifinals. So they won it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's a long time ago in their history. Remember that uh, this was before the... The expansion to the sixth playoff team, I believe. Okay, so they did lose in that round. Yeah, so they. Did I do lo- believe they're one of one so of they- four teams to have never won a playoff game. There you go. So something to root for if you're out there. If you're if you've lost a team like myself, who will not be going to the playoffs. If you can guess the other three, one of them does not exist. <laughs> well, Chivas USA. That's easy. Um. I've also specified ones that have qualified at least once. So that was Chivas. So we're not going to say like Orlando or Minnesota because they have to qualify or LAFC. But the Vancouver Whitecaps. Interesting. Apparently have not won. That might have changed. This was as of last year, so that may have changed. But <laughs> um, it's elite company the union are in. And Very so, But a chance to rewrite history for themselves right now and be in charge of their own destiny. Well, we said that in the Open Cup game and see how that went. So I will say this, It'll though. It'll be an interesting playoff. I, I, I will say this. If, could it be a situation where you'd rather finish fourth? Because let's say DC United does jump Montreal in the end. You're probably getting the second, well, probably the hottest team in MLS, right? Because Seattle's kind of cooled off a little bit. But whatever, right? One or two, the second, first or second hottest team in MLS. You do get them at home. But would you rather have that if you finish third? Or would you rather just play Columbus at home? I'd rather play DC United, who had a poor road uh, record. They were like in last place until they started getting into their home stadium. I think, as far as good as they've done, I don't think um, they're tactically as as strong as Columbus and uh, Burhalter, um, who I, I think we talked about a couple weeks ago has the great the most shutouts on the road. So I think if anyone was going to go on the road, steal a shutout. I mean, we saw it against Atlanta last year. Yeah, that so is fair. That's... That is a fair point. I I'm not convinced, but because I, I still would rather play, I'd still rather play Columbus. But I do I do have to say that I I understand that point, and uh, that's fair enough, I guess. We move on. DC United. We move on to Sunday, by the way, because again, the flip side of the standings. DC United two, Chicago Fire once. The Fire jumped out to a lead here, 51st minute, thanks to Raheem Edwards. Good to see him get on the score sheet. But it was the Wayne Rooney show after that. He actually scored a hat trick here, but VAR denied him one of his goals. Uh, an iffy penalty, iffy penalty given to DC. Schweinsteiger not happy about it, but Rooney buries it, and then uh, he scores again after that. So you know, Wayne Rooney, 
continues to do Wayne Rooney things. All while DC United continues to keep pace with Montreal, remaining two points behind with two games in hand. This is really a result you expected them to get, and they're being a little bit closer than it maybe should have been. Yeah, for sure. Um, when it comes to that penalty, I don't know what you think, but uh, I've seen situations like this a lot. You think it was soft? Yeah, I do think it was soft. I get so it. So Kapelhoff is all over the back of Canoose on this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you see in these situations, uh, it appears the penalty is always given if the defender falls over the attacker and falls with them. If you know what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't a situation where he's kind of you know, jostling him, the forward goes down and he stays on his feet. It's almost like he trips over him once the defender, the forward goes down. And I've noticed that if you do stay on your feet as a defender and you don't end up tripping over them, it could be the same exact play, but it won't get called. And this is a situation where, you know, you put that much weight on someone, you're going to fall on top of them. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I I just I, I don't really like it, and maybe it's because you know Schweinsteiger was really really livid. He you could read his lips saying that's not a penalty. I uh, I get it. Like I, I you force the ref to make a call in that situation, and from the ref's perspective, if you want to look at it that way, all he sees is you jumping on top of this guy and falling over him. So. Uh, I, I don't think that it necessarily like I'm not gonna sit here and say oh it was robbery or you know it was a bad call I think it was a soft call but it's a fair one because all the referee can see is you just kind of latching yourself on top of this guy it's not a tangling of the feet it's not the classic case where two guys just kind of run into each other and they both fall and the referee has to let it go it is just kind of an unfortunate situation for the defender with Kapelhoff there who you know again doesn't doesn't I don't think means to take him down but he just ends up taking him down. Yeah, maybe Canoe slows down a little bit and allows Kapelhoff's weight to kind of carry over on top of him. I guess it's it's smart play from the from the DC man there at least. It is. I'll give him that. All right. So that all that said about the playoff race, jump to the top of the East. Atlanta United two, New England Revolution one. Pretty much a park the bus kind of day for the Revs. They played admirably, I have to say. Uh, goals for Atlanta, two wingbacks, and that means George Bayo at sixteen has scored in MLS. Talk about next man up with this team, huh? I mean, it's. I mean, you look at this team. How many talented teenagers they have? Andrew Carlton, Bello, Barco, and, and when you look at the team, it, look overall, it's a youthful team. Other than what two, three guys, Parkers, Lorenowitz, and Guzon. And you need that kind of experience, so I wouldn't even say it's a bad thing. No, it's not. That's like you can't just have a team full of teenagers. Uh, and I look through it. Almiron, 24, Martinez, 25, Barco, 19, Gressel, 24, LGP, 26, Nagby, 28. He's like he's like a, one of the veterans on the team. Remedy, 23, Vialba, 24. Um, so it, it's, I mean, it's young guys buying into Tata's uh, philosophy. I think that's cool to see. It is cool. And, I mean, so Greg Garza, who, you know, Bay was basically replacing at the moment, it was out four to six months back in late May. So right now we're hit, we're month five into that. Torn labrum in his right shoulder. Possible he comes back, but I, I gotta say, doesn't look like a, doesn't look like the kid's doing half bad. So and of course everyone wants to root for the next big U.S. men's national team left back. Props, which is something they've been missing. Um, true. Yeah, I don't think Garza will make it back from injury in time for the playoffs. He's not going to have enough time to get acclimated into games. 
Um, but one other thing before we do get into the playoffs with Atlanta, this win brings them within three points of Toronto's record point yep. haul last season of 70. Sorry, four points. They're at 66 with two games left. We a talked win and about a draw this. will tie it. Yeah. Last week? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was gonna say we talked about this before, so I was just gonna <laughs> yeah. make I was gonna make mention of the fact that I've that when we talked about it last time, I mentioned that yeah, I do think Atlanta and the Red Bulls are both gonna get there. So um, this win looking? keeps them on track, and I mean, yeah, it's possible that they even break the record. They have Chicago at home, and then they go to Toronto. Oh. What what a scenes that would be if they go to Toronto. <laughs> break to the snatch record. their record one year later. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, six points against the... That should be six points right there for Atlanta. Now, they did lose Miguel Almiron to a hamstring injury. That's tough because uh, he is I don't think I need talented. to tell you how important that dude is. And, of course, there is the rumor that Arsenal have already agreed to make this man part of the Arsenal squad in January when the window opens again. So I don't think I need to tell you that this guy's got talent. And we would like to see him in this MLS playoffs if he does end up leaving in the winter. That's true, yeah, because this could be it for him. The win also keeps them, like you said, one ahead of the Red Bulls for Sporter Shield and six points ahead of them in the 2017-18 aggregate table for spot in the CONCACAF Champions League. So one more win by Atlanta locks up the aggregate table for them. And it's been well-deserved for a very strong season. Absolutely. And who doesn't want to see CONCACAF Champions League in that big stadium? I mean, you know, some people say they want to see it in Houston. Some people say they want to see it in Minnesota or Chester. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know who those people are. Minnesota would be pretty cool, I have to say. Because those fans get up for that. With that new stadium. Not yeah, even the new stadium. Just the... the... They have a pretty good atmosphere. Playing in a football stadium. Well, they are one of the you know top five in attendance, despite their record. So, <laughs> definitely yeah. wouldn't be bad. Would not be bad. Red Bulls on the other side of that uh, supporter shield race. They won 3-1 in San Jose. So the Red Bulls saw the result and traveled to San Jose. They took down the Earthquakes. This uh, this one was fairly easy for them. 3-0 by the 50th minute. Wondolowski does clo- inch closer to history with another goal. But the real news for San Jose, yesterday they announced Matias Almeida is now their manager. You might remember him as the Chivas manager, not Chivas USA, the actual Chivas from League MX during their CONCACAF Champions League run earlier this year, but he did have to step down due to struggles in the league. Thoughts on the hire? Which, so, I've, I've read a lot about San Jose fans and pundits saying that this is going to be a great signing, this is going to be what turns them around, just what they need. And he does have a good record against MLS teams in this past cup. What I have to worry about is that domestic performance from Mexico going to hurt him. Is, you know, is that going to kind of continue over? Is, you know, are there holes in his coaching style that people are going to be able to figure out? I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, he was, he did also win the league the season before. So, he you know, his struggles, and that team had struggled for a while just to be competitive. And so he kind of brought, the, brought them over the hump, took them to the final and won it. And then, you know, they win the Champions League. And then they struggle in the league again. The problem with his team, and for those of you that don't know this, that team only signs Mexican players. So his talent pool is actually pretty limited, all things considered. Now, 
it didn't you really used to be that way you know the mexican talent didn't used to just kind of come from everywhere and you know now everybody wants to go to europe and the big steps and all that it has taken a toll on them and of course to be a competitive team when you only recruit players from one country is very difficult and you know teams no longer they basically there's basically like a chivas tax now where teams will not sell mexican players to them for reasonable prices they basically double the price for them because they say well what are you going to do you're going to not pay it and not have any players and it kind of kind of screws them over in that regard and their money has not been as where it used to be so i'm not making excuses for them obviously you know, you still got to go out there and you got to coach. But I do think that his record is kind of a, it's kind of an interesting deeper dive if you want to think about it that way because you don't really know what he's what he's capable of with, you know, a little more control over his roster because obviously before he's kind of limited. Yeah, but I, I would put the same thing as San Jose is they're not exactly they're not swimming the most in talent. limitless club. Yeah, so he's going to have a similar problem. If you can, you know, get it to work at Chivas, you can get it to work there. Um, I just think there are problems deeper than the head coach there. Uh, it is. It certainly helps. I mean, having a, having a good manager, even with bad ownership, look at the Columbus crew. So yeah, maybe it is. And San Jose, who's already out and looking like leaders for the wooden spoon, not much else going on. The Red Bulls are on the pace and looking yeah. good. On the pace, both the Red Bulls and Atlanta have two games remaining, and we shall see how it goes for them. Uh, one other note on Almeida, by the way, he did coach at River Plate, so he did. All, he does also have that on his record. Massive clubs in Argentina, yeah. So he's got a good resume. We'll see if he can turn such a weak team around. And honestly, that's a good signing from San Jose. At least to turn show some ambition to at show least. that they want to. Yeah, that they want to turn it around. They're not just you know hiring Siggy Schmidt. Or, uh, you know, the Caleb Porter. I mean, Caleb Porter would have been bad, but no. But you know, like it's not like they're hiring back Dom Kinnear or something, or they're not oh, hiring gosh. Craig Craig Robinson from Vancouver. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they're, they're not retreading. They're, they're saying let let's try something new, which I I'm commendable. All for. Commendable. I agree. Commendable performances from Vancouver continued. They went to Toronto, one two one in their big rivalry game. Kai Kamara. Scores the winner, 78th minute. The Whitecaps keep their playoff hopes alive. Toronto did well to stay competitive. They went a man down in the 66th minute while they were still down one nothing. so they actually managed to bring this game level. Josie Altidore penalty, and then Vancouver again get that winner from Kamara. It's a big win for them, away from home, against the rival. Keep the pressure on the teams above them. And now Vancouver is just three points off of RSL in sixth place. Um, real chance there, and... A game in hand. Uh, so with with one game in hand, they could also jump the Galaxy and Salt Lake ahead of them, or tie at least Salt Lake um, for yeah. for that last place. Interesting for a team that you know has just barely hung on this whole time. They've just kind of been there all season, but I mean that's that's to be fair. That's kind of all you need sometimes to make that last playoff spot. They they haven't had any dips in form where I thought that they were dreadful. They also haven't had any you know great runs, but that's what gets you eighth right now. And you know, all it takes and, is one win. Yeah. The problem is their schedule is looking kind of tough. They host Sporting Kansas City uh, soon. Uh, What's their next match? Going to be a tough one. Yeah, but it gets but not even as tougher. tough as then having to having to go to LAFC with their next one and then hosting Portland. 
uh, who's seemed to have started securing that spot a little bit more. But three very tough games against teams in prime positions in the West. This is true. Not an easy run. If they get there, they're really going to have to earn it. And keep in mind, they're fighting two teams for that last spot, so nothing easy the rest of the way there. One of those teams, the LA Galaxy, they went to Sporting Kansas City. They drew 1-1, so the Galaxy benefited from an early penalty that Zlatan was able to bury. From this point on, it was an incredible parking of an aircraft carrier. Forget the bus. They parked an aircraft carrier in Kansas City. And they busted out the classic, everyone's favorite, 4-2-2-2. And if you're thinking of the like the FIFA kind of like 4-2, where the, you, know, you play two, two defensive mids and then two wide midfielders and then two strikers, you're thinking of the wrong one. You're, <laughs> this is the classic 4-2-2-2. Six players all stacked in front of each other. It's amazing. It looks great. If you want to go on who scored and see it, it, it's one of the best things I've seen all week. I love that formation. And I mean... Can you really blame them for throwing it out? They have guys like Alessandrini who aren't really, you know, left left midfielders. They have to help back. They're more of an attacking midfielder. But then you also have to play two strikers. And you only have two defensive mids. Ay, ay, ay. In the end, it's a good result for uh, the Galaxy going into Sporting Kansas City and keeping their playoff hopes alive. Now just one point off RSL. Yeah. Gained ground on RSL, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. Kansas City had 34 freaking shots, 9 on target. Crazier, though, the Galaxy actually had a chance right before the half. Ashley Cole had a chance to put it over Tim Melia, put them up 2-0, which would have been massive. But Tim Melia shows again why he was MLS Keeper of the Year last year and denies him for a corner. And, I mean, for, for as much as we kind of questioned... Siggy Schmidt lose, leaving for Dom Kinnear is kind of like a sideways sep. Uh, the Galaxy have made some very good results. I do think this is another one going on the road here. And honestly, not even not even Seattle's really that safe. I mean, I guess that Seattle's a game in hand, but it's five points. You know, anything can happen. That's that's possible. I still think I think they're sticking in there. I think they're going to hang on. I don't th- I don't see Seattle falling. It, it would be very tough, especially with their results uh, yesterday that we now know of. But speaking of RSL and uh, even Portland, Portland did go to Real Salt Lake and win four one. So game was actually pretty competitive till about the seventieth minute. Floodgates kind of opened for Portland. They went from being tied one one to up three one in just three minutes. RSL has been so good at home, so this was kind of shocking. But their weaknesses were put on display here as their defense kind of just fell apart. Portland had their way with them in that second half. And Portland have pretty much secured a playoff spot here. Six points ahead of the Galaxy. Um, eight ahead of Vancouver. Uh, and they ha- still get to host RSL one more time. So they're looking pretty confident. RSL, though, now have to go on the road to Portland. Uh, I also host New England, which you would think would be a win, but uh, yeah, that's that Portland result could be the difference between a uh, a team leapfrogging them in the end. Yeah, RSL, and <laughs> I don't I don't want to sound like a like a hater, right? Because I, I this whole time I've been like RSL's not doing it. They're not hanging on. They're not hanging on. They're not hanging on. And well, here we go, right? Like this is it looks like this could be the beginning of the end for them. I feel kind of bad, honestly. Because they've been clinging on well, that we did spot have a point all year. We started giving them some respect. And we started being like, oh, you know, maybe they're legit. But, I mean, got to give it to other teams in the West here. Any team from 8 and on, 
has been on fire. And if you're not getting results on a decent basis, you know, and it takes a couple for the teams to start catching up and jumping over you. It really is. It's going to be a competitive race to the very end there. And we all saw Lake, they still, I mean, in a certain sense, they still control their own destiny because they, you know, they went out. That's 52 points. I don't believe anybody else can get to 52. So they do control their own destiny. Even still. I believe Vancouver Vancouver can tie them. They could tie them, yes. But, you're right. The match but then would out. lose, unless there's some crazy results, for Vancouver would lose on goal difference in the end. So, yeah, they are still in control. Yeah, there you go. So we shall see how that plays out again. Portland does do a good job of also keeping themselves kind of as an outside competitor in that uh, second playoff, for that second playoff spot in the West, because Sporting Kansas City kind of dipping a little bit recently. LAFC having that tough run has kind of opened the door. Speaking of LAFC, won three nothing in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> poor Colorado, it's uh, it's not looking good for them these days. Uh, Timbers win kept the pressure oh on LAFC. God. Yeah, well, that's an understatement. I'd say Colorado. That's that is horrendous. <laughs> you want to know how bad it's going for them? It's lost. They've lost seven in a row. Been outscored twenty-two to one in those games. Just, just, just so you know, like the team that's paying their goalkeeper more than everyone else is very clearly gonna need to change some things if they want to compete next year. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing that I think we talked about it this last week when uh, after my hard drive kaput. But their four highest earners: uh, Tim Howard, Skelton Gashi. Stefan Eigner, Yannick Boley, all combined to about $5 million. And only like one of those guys plays. Yeah. And it's and, it, and he's a mediocre goalkeeper who I guess is there for marketing purposes. But that's going to... They'd had a crazy rehaul this past season, bringing like 13 players. And like Orlando, they're going to have to do it again. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, good luck to them because uh, that's not looking good. Uh, back to LAFC. They kept their two-point lead and a game in hand over Portland. Also tied Sporting Kansas City in second with 53 points, both teams with three games to play. So suddenly LAFC has found themselves, even despite their shocking run of form, back in the race for the second playoff spot. Yeah, and their end of the schedule was easy enough that you'd think that they should have cruised to it. They host Houston next, host Vancouver, and then go to Sporting Kansas City. That could be an interesting game in determining who ends up getting that last buy. Um, yeah, that Chicago result wasn't great. They tied New England at home. Um, but they did end up beating San Jose and Colorado So, and Toronto. So it's been – it really should have been better given those really easy fixtures, and that last one's going to be tough. It's true. They'll have to prove their worth a little bit. But if they find their form, which it looks like they might be finding it again – you better watch out because that team's very, very talented. A lot of skilled players. FC Dallas 2, Orlando City 0. On uh, same note, FC Dallas took care of Orlando at home, pushing their Western Conference lead to four points over both Skirting KC and LAFC. So a fun little race at the top. Dallas did lose Christian Coleman, 24-year-old DP, who has struggled to find time in the squad this season to a torn ACL. So unfortunately for them, that's one less option that they will have going forward. And it's a real shame for the player, too, because he just got a call-up, I oh, believe, to the Paraguay, right. uh, Paraguay national team. He uh, did. That's and that would have been his first. And he's, so he's going to be missing out on that. And a Paraguay team, to be honest, which hasn't always been very strong, but it's looking like it's had some real real potential uh, gems, like Almiron. Um, so 
that that one's definitely the a big shame, not just for Dallas, but for him. Some Monday night soccer, in case you know baseball playoffs or Monday night football wasn't your thing. Seattle Sounders four, Houston Dynamo one. Uh, probably not a very good day at the office for Houston Dynamo. Demarcus Beasley did score in this one though, so good on you, Demarcus, for call him up, not giving up. Call him up. We need a left back. We need call him. him up. He's still ready. <laughs> uh, goals here by Will Brewing, Christian Roldan, and Victor Rodriguez with a brace. So. Victor Rodriguez, like we mentioned in that uh, lost podcast, I was saying that they that a guy like Victor Rodriguez to start stepping up now. I, I call him a bit player. Emmett reminded me that he's making a million dollars. So apparently not a bit player, just somebody that's been uh, kind of invisible this season. But if he starts going now, hey, no better time. Turn your worth than right now. But 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 we we talked a bit about how Harry Ship has been serviceable. Uh, the guy. Uh, the guy in that left mid, mid position, maybe not the guy you want to rely on, right? Yeah, he's he's serviceable. I like he's not a guy Schiff. you want to say, oh, we're gonna win that, but not that. But much. he's not like MLS cup leading you to an MLS Cup with two goals and an assist in the final. Uh, Rodriguez has that potential, and we mentioned bit player. I do want to you know back you up on this that there are some players out there who are making minimum wage, guys like Julian Gressel, who are massively important to their team. And we talked about Colorado having these five million in wages going to bit players. So sometimes it's you know more about their role than the money. And in just these last few games, Rodriguez is starting to live up to that price tag. He'll have to do it in the playoffs though to really live up to it. And this was uh, credit where credit is due. This was without having for Seattle. This was without having Raul Diaz, who was off on national duty, as was. Uh, Gustav Svensson, so two guys that are pretty important to this team, not there. Nico Lodero did stick around, so lucky for them, he did play, and now Lodero will likely head off to the Uruguay national team because he was called. But they don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, they got through this one. We talked about that a little bit, about how that could have, if that could affect them. It did not, in the end, affect them at all. They cruised to victory uh, 4-1 over... A Houston team that I guess is just going to be pretty content with saying, we won the Open Cup this year, nothing else really matters to us. Yeah, uh, apparently season ticket holders got kind of like a, a voicemail telling them that, well, you know, like this is this is probably how it's going to be. You know, we're not th- we're not making any more pushes at this point. It's kind of time to start seeing what we've got on this team going forward. So I can't blame them. I mean, you're, you're out of the playoff race. You might as well see what you have. Yeah, I mean, again, it's I think it's been – all things considered, a successful season for Houston, despite, I guess, the poor regular season showing, just to say, oh, yeah, we have silverware. Because how many other teams are going to be able to say that? One? Two? Yeah, depends. It depends on who wins the Supporters' Shield and who ends up winning MLS Cup. So, that is true. That does it for the MLS action. We did talk about the U.S. Men's National Team roster because it had been released by that point, but since uh, nobody heard that, we can... Go over it again. The U.S. men's national team roster against uh, Colombia and Peru. Games Thursday and Tuesday. So uh, we'll just kind of go back over what we said. The goalkeepers, to me, they make sense. Brad Guzan, Ethan Horvath, and Zach Steffen. I think we've I think we've kind of beaten the narrative into the ground. I think Steffen probably should be the goalkeeper of the future. But, you know, people might be a little bit of a raised eyebrow to see Brad Guzan back. I don't have a problem with it. Veteran presence. He's played well for Atlanta. He's earned his way back. Yeah, and there's some good goalies in this in the pool. 
who maybe haven't been getting chances, but I think his experience will be enough uh, in just being a leader moving forward because there are still a lot of young guys. And it seems like Guzan is a guy who's pretty humble and can use his experience playing in England uh, in the Premier League to help the others. Yeah, totally agree. So that makes us to the defenders. John Brooks, Reggie Cannon, his first call-up. Cameron Carter's Vickers is back. Aaron Long has never been capped technically, but he did get called up to the last roster back in September. Uh, Matt Miazga, Anthony Robinson, Ben Sweat, his first call-up. And DeAndre Yedlin, the wily veteran at this point of the defense. Yeah, we talked about there being two kind of, well, the, the one really, I guess, odd or interesting pick being Ben Sweat. Uh, not a lot of left, left back depth, though. Yeah, in the, that's in, true. The, in the pool. It, Anthony Robinson. He brings some versatility to Looks like the number one. Center back. Yeah, Anthony Robinson will probably start at left back, I would think. And, I mean, what else is there? You know, Demarcus Beasley, George oh Bello. Yeah, George Bello. There's not a lot of left, not a lot of left back depth outside of that. Fabian um, Johnson, Via if you Fania. want to count him as a left back, yeah, Viafania. Yeah, he he's again a very versatile guy. He can play just about anywhere. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll be seeing him again in the future. Matt Beasley. But you know, for guys like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, oh god, I left back. Um, so, so for guys like Sweat, and also I think Aaron Long falls into this, uh, and probably Reggie Cannon as well, it's more of a, you guys have been so great this season, Ben Sweat's been okay. Maybe not as good. Aaron Long, n- no caps. I don't think he's going to play. He's got too many talented defenders ahead of him. Brooks, Cameron Carter's Vickers, Matt Niaz is going to be, I think, first choice. But it's a way of saying, hey, congrats, here you go. You're in the, you're in the lineup. You're in the, you're in the camp. I recognize what you've done. We recognize what you've done. We don't want to diminish your accomplishments. Yeah. Here you are. Congratulations, but probably not going to play. I, I agree with that. You know, Reggie Cannon, Sweat, they get their first call-ups. Uh, Cannon played well for FC Dallas this season, 20 years old, has the most appearances of anybody at the team at 30. Uh, long called for the September friendlies, like I mentioned, did not play Ben Sweat. Kind of contract, quiet contributor for NYCFC. Versatile. He can play center back, too, so that probably helps his case a little bit for future call-ups. Yeah, and of those three, I think we I really want to see Reggie Cannon get a little bit of time. So young, teenager, been so good, and potentially a long-term right-back competitor to DeAndre Yedlin. This is true. Always good to have competition. In the midfield, you have Kalen Acosta, Tyler Adams, who is going to be replaced for injury by Fafa Pico. Uh, or I guess he would be the one replaced by Marky Delgado. Anyway, Marky Delgado replaces Tyler Adams. Jonathan Amon gets his first call. The firework, Michael Bradley. Julian Green is back. Weston McKinney uh, pulled out to injury as well. And Christian Pulisic also pulled out to injury, replaced by Fafa Pico. He was the one replaced by Fafa Pico. Uh, did they replace all three of those guys? Adams, McKinney, and Pulisic? Because I, uh, I haven't heard about... Yeah, I haven't heard about McKenney. We'll see. McKenney is injured. He will be out a week or two, so he's not coming, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need to be here. Uh, he scored in the Champions League and in the Bundesliga, so he's exempt. And Kenny Seth will trap Tim Weah, who still continues to be listed as a midfielder despite being a forward. Uh, thoughts here? Let's just not bury the lead. Where, where do we stand on Michael Bradley? I mean, I think there's so much discussion of is he actually a good player? I personally think Michael Bradley is a good player. 
if he's fit into a certain role, if he's not this core guy where you say everything goes through this man. Shouldn't be like that. He should just be a facilitator. Personally, I've heard that there's, you know, been some issues with him and kind of locker room atmosphere type stuff. If that's the case, I'd think you'd want to keep him far away from the team. But he does have offer good leadership if, you know, if that's not the case. So kind of the two sides of it. I think most fans are tired of seeing Bradley, though. Uh, look, I'm not going to be unrealistic. I, I knew he was coming, right? Like, I didn't, maybe not this time, right? But I, sooner or later, he was coming back. He wasn't going to stay off the roster forever. And to a certain extent, I'm okay with that. It's just, I, I after seeing this season, Toronto has struggled, and that's certainly not all on Michael Bradley. But Michael Bradley, I have never, I have never watched any of Toronto this season and thought to myself, you know what? Michael Bradley is really proving his worth again. Michael Bradley, for all intents and purposes, if we're doing these things just by merit, I don't know if Michael Bradley deserves to be here. And that kind of bothers me because it's like you mentioned, like he, he's already got this weird reputation where I, I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody coming out in support of this man and say, oh, he's a great locker room presence. He's, you know, he's a good veteran leader. Maybe he changes now. It's possible that he does. It's possible that, you know, Dave Sarakin has already sat down with him and said, you're not coming back until you change your attitude. And perhaps that's happened. I don't really know. But I can tell you that at least merit-wise, I'm not sure he belongs here. Not right now. The Yeah, I mean, the, the other argument on that is who, who does. Yeah, that's fair. So I, currently, our midfield three looked at Adams, McKenney, and Trapp. So two of those guys are already gone. Uh, yeah, that's Acosta is a center mid. Another guy he should who, play center mid. You know, by has, the way, who's been playing on the wing? He <sighs> is a center mid. I think way more naturally. But okay, so we'll listen. Okay, he's a guy who can play there. But also, does he really deserve it? A couple no, of strong he, games he in the Rapids, not. but it's been a weak season overall, and it's been a bit of a downturn on his career. So who else really deserves a spot there? I think last time you mentioned you mentioned Georgie Mihailovic. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, you know, their sentiment options are pretty weak. <laughs> if, you're gonna, if you need it, if you need a ten, it's not that crazy. It's not that crazy, um, right? They went as far to bring in Marky Delgado, who's not even like you know a surefire starter on a bad Toronto team. Yeah, um, I, I'm all I'm I mean, okay honestly, with that one because he did play well the times I've seen him play, so I'm I'm okay. Fafa Pico was like kind of shocking to some people, but honestly, every time I watch the Union play, this man's making a difference. So hey, you know what? Uh, for me, if we're if, again, if, if call-ups are based on just merit, and we know they're not, they're not always, but for me, they should be. And I can't argue against Fafa Pico in terms of merit because he has played well and he's responded by being called up. He scored a brace in that Minnesota game, did he not? Yeah, he had a brace. He's uh, I he might be their second leading goal scorer behind Corey Burke. Uh, he's been abs- he basically has displaced the million dollar man David Akam. <laughs> so, uh, not that he's really earned it anything either. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's about earning it. Sometimes it's about reputation, as we see with Bradley Acosta, guys who've been in the national team a lot. But if we're gonna go off that, why not bring in Alejandro Bedoya? Why not bring in Darlington Nagby? I know uh, Nagby's been hurt for a while. Nagby because of injury. But Bedoya's Bedoya. had a better season than Bradley. Bedoya has had a, better, had a much season better season than Bradley, than Bradley. but it's not. Uh, I'm not. I, you know what? You're right. You're right. If we're going with just pure merit, you're probably right. But and then if we're also going on, you know, their their history and uh, experience is Bedoya too far off Bradley? Either there. I mean, honestly, if you need a center mid, 
he's a guy who works hard and doesn't really complain all that much. That's true. He definitely probably has a better presence overall to have around. But, you know, Dave Sarakin, I don't believe, has called in Alejandro Bedoya since the uh, since that fateful night in Trinidad, which we're coming up on a year on a year ago. So we're getting there, guys. Yeah, he has been. He's one of the guys who's kind of been phased out. Bradley was one. Um, you know, like all things considered, this lineup is pretty strong. Maybe two or three changes to the, what'll be in the Gold Cup, but I do expect to see Bradley there come yeah. summer. Uh, Roman Gall, technically a midfielder, since we're counting way as a midfielder, he is scoring goals over in Sweden. Not bad. I would like to see him get a call up, hopefully in November. Uh, but when we look on the wing again, I mean, we have Julian Green and Tim Weah. Guys, I think everyone likes seeing Pulisic. Uh, maybe a ten, maybe a winger. Acosta been on the wing. Uh, the midfield is not exactly deep. And, I mean, some real bright spots in Adams, McKenney, Weah, and Pulisic. But we'll have to see from everyone else. I'd like to see Gall get in there, but that's pretty tight competition. Yeah, it I mean, is. We did, see, we did see Eamon and Seth get in this time. So Good for them, yeah. It wouldn't be too ridiculous to think another one. Yeah. Good for them. One more that I mentioned last time we were talking about potential replacements. Alfredo Morales, bit under the radar since he's 28, but he's playing consistently in the Bundesliga. So I would have liked to see him get some love too, potentially. Certainly over Bradley. That is, I mean, yeah, that's a top league. Despite its recent struggles, maybe it's still a top four league, I would say. Um, on the same side, Fabian Johnson, the guy who can play wing, winger, wing back, fullback, um, deserves a call, maybe deserves a break as well. Um, but, you know, he's been up there a lot, so that's a di- Morales, Corrales maybe deserves it more. Yeah. Uh, finally, the forwards, Andrea Novakovic is back. Uh, Josh Sargent, despite still not having played for the senior Werder Bremen team, is here because he's bagging goals for their youth team. And Bobby Woods here, too, who scored over the weekend. He scored two, right? Yes, I believe so. So, not bad. Not a bad weekend for forwards. Apparently, Josie Altador was supposed to be here, but pulled out for personal reasons. So, I can only imagine how that would have gone. Because it would have been the same talk. Bringing in three Toronto players after their season would have been questionable. At least, I guess they have um, American talents, which is nice to see. Uh, I I expect Bobby Wood to start every game in a 4-3-3 here. Uh, Novakovic has been, you know, continuing to bag goals, this time in the first division in Netherlands, the Eredivisie. Um, but I don't think we're going to see him, I guess, unfortunately. He hasn't really gotten a chance. Sargent, who's been pretty strong, I think, all things considered, uh, every time he showed up, despite really not playing as much for the first team, will be less likely uh, for me to to end up featuring. Well, I think it might be more likely to feature over Novakovic, who is getting first time minute first team minutes but again wood one of those guys has been around for a while yeah and i mean expect to be that well had josie been here right it just would have been it would have been the same talk all who would have replaced him but honestly i don't think i would have had too many answers right like i guess if he would have gotten in over sergeant i'd be like well i guess sergeant could have come but then after that it's like i mean what who was i gonna say aaron johansson coming back like does anyone really want to see that person i can no, it's it, it it's Jossie's artist is your only other out and out forward, oh, and I'm not too gosh. sure he can do anything outside of Greg Berhalter's system. Yeah, no, that system is perfectly set up for him. So definitely no Jossie's artist, and uh, yeah, I guess Josie. I, look, as much as I hate to say it, and Josie for me is not anywhere near as bad as Michael Bradley. So 
for me, I'm all right when he comes back. Cause, and really, it's just kind of a, a feeling of the position. I, I think we have enough midfielders to keep Bradley out of the team when they're not all injured anyway. Yeah, there's there's talent there and there's youth. And there's guys you can filter in and give chances to. Um, come, come the Gold Cup, I'm not so sure you say, um, yeah, let's throw three teenagers out there. I think you say, okay, yeah, we need, a, we need at least a Bradley. We need a Bedoya in there to kind of hold things together. Um, here, here's two forwards for you. Tell me if you want to bring either of these guys. Yeah. Don Dwyer and CJ Sapong. <laughs> CJ Sapong is not exactly. coming. No. Dom Dwyer, I mean, yeah. he did score. Uh, he I don't did know. score for the U.S. Sapong had an assist this weekend. Oh, my God. Dwyer, honestly, Dwyer's not a bad pick. It could be worse. Sapong, maybe. Oh, goodness. Well, all right. Well, now that we see where we are. I mean, Tim Wea, we are ignoring the fact that I keep saying Tim Wea is not a midfielder. He is more of a forward. He does play... He can play kind of in a, in a striker setup if he needs to. So it's not the craziest thing in the world to say that Wea is also in the forward category, which is fine. Mm-hmm. We need those options. So assuming we're lining up in a 4-3-3, give me your starting lineup. Oh, against, you're, putting me, uh, you're putting me on the spot, but all right. Against Columbia? On Saturday. On s- Thursday. On, yep. Thursday, sorry. You're misleading the viewers, Emmett. I'm, well, for me, it would be on Friday. You, you wonder why nobody watches these games. Anyway, uh, Zach Steffen in goal for me, and then from left to right uh, on the back line, Anthony Robinson, uh, John Brooks, Matt Miazga, DeAndre Yedlin, and then if we're going with that, I, technically I still think he, he plays like a midfield five, but like, you know, the wide players kind of acting as like wingers, so you could see it as a 4-3-3. Uh, the three midfielders I would throw out there, with my options being very limited, mind you, Will Trap kind of as the six because I'm not. I refuse to play Bradley. I just refuse it. So <laughs> I'm gonna figure out how, Kellen Acosta, and then oh goodness me, how do I even do this? Uh, Will Trap, Kellen Acosta, and then uh, Marky Delgado because I have no choice. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> I have to play well, Marky Delgado. You could play with a. You could play with one of the midfielders more attacking. It might look more like a four-two-three-one at that point. Yeah, I could, but, but we're I'd trying be okay to be realistic. We're trying to be realistic, right? So, because Sarakin's not changing his formation now. So again, like I said, he's played he, this entire time. He's played a four-five-one and a four-three-three, just kind of depending on the opponent. And so for the wide players, give me Kenny Seff and uh, Tim Weah. and then that it leaves me with a forward. I agree. Bobby Wood probably starts. Interesting. I don't have a lot of problems with that. I do, however, I'm going to have to disagree. I think Bradley plays. <laughs> if Adams and McKenney were there, I would say ahead of Trap. But honestly, those two next to each other would be interesting because they're very similar players and they want to be like the six. Um, but I double, think it might end up pivot. being those two. Yeah, double, pi- double pivot with maybe Acosta as a runner. Maybe we'll see um, someone dropping deeper. I think Julian Green will start on the wing, though. Tim Way on the right, Julian Green on the left. Fair. Fair. I could see Jonathan Amon getting some love, too. Yeah. And you know what? It's Honestly, there aren't that many options when you really look at it. Yeah, you, so you're kind of limited. Um, especially to history, you're not just going to say, oh, no, yeah, Novakovic is going to start both games all 90 minutes. Yeah, probably not going to see that. 
Fair enough. All right. So that's your U.S. Men's National Team update. We'll talk more next week about how that ends up going for them Thursday, like I said, against Colombia, Tuesday against Peru, both here in the United States. We did the other thing. The thing I'm most disappointed in that's going to be lost to time is my statement about Manchester United, because while we were recording the podcast, United was already two down to Newcastle. And I, and I just said to Emmett, don't be surprised if they turn this one around. They turned it around. They won 3-2. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to release a bonus episode that is just your side of it <laughs> and has no, none of my audio, and it's just that, you talking to yourself for an hour. That would be amazing. Probably not amazing for anybody else to listen to. But, yeah. So Tweet Jose at Mourinho. us if you want to hear that. Yeah, just, if you want to uh, hear my thoughts on Mourinho because uh, I thought he was done. I really did. So it looks like he's going to hang on to that job till they play Chelsea. Chelsea might have to finish them off. And if Chelsea doesn't do it, I think Juve will. Yeah, we did mention he's got several weeks at best remaining. This one might have, well, you know, given him a little bit more time. But I said it back then. I think November is as far as he lasts. We shall see. Uh, international break, so that does limit our MLS schedule. Saturday, 3.55, though, on Univision. There is still D.C. United against FC Dallas. Pretty big game, all things considered, uh, for both teams, really. FC Dallas trying to lock down the number one spot in the West. D.C. United continuing with their games in hand to try to make a push at Montreal's last playoff spot. Yeah, of the games that matter, that is the game that matters. Um, other than that, it's, you know, LAFC Houston. Yep. You know, LAFC has got to keep it up. And New England uh, can go within five points of a playoff spot with two to play with a win over Orlando. So they're basically all but out, but technically that has uh, some influence. But, yeah, it's the one game in the international games to watch. There you go. So uh, next week, since there won't be as many games, I think what we might do, and you can tell me if this is a bad idea, but if you remember during the World Cup, we kind of, like, every time a team got eliminated, we kind of gave the idea, like, okay, so what's next for these guys? Like, what are they going to do? I think I think some obituaries are in order for these teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs. Because by next weekend, I believe we'll have most of them down that will be out. Like, we'll probably only have about four teams still in flux after that. You heard it here, folks obituaries for the teams that have been eliminated or are basically eliminated um, right at us on Twitter or whatever if you want to hear anything if you're still listening at this point no, we're, all, we're, not, um, we're still under an hour so people are still listening everyone's still listening now uh, but yeah I think that's that's probably what we're going to be doing uh, next week uh, we, you know maybe we'll look at the DC Dallas game but that's definitely a better use of our time than basically doing what we just did again yeah, agreed. For one game. Uh, absolutely agreed. So enjoy the new artwork. Enjoy uh, enjoy this new content, and we will see you guys again next week. Emmett? That's all the time we have this week for the American Soccer Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us and check out past episodes. You can find us on iTunes. Leave a review Google, on iTunes. Spotify. Leave a review everywhere. Stitcher, Anchor, everywhere there are podcasts. You've heard this before. You know where to find us. For all your American soccer needs, until next time, I'm Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor, signing off.